And uh, it did circle the earth seven times during the week, but only five times during the business week. Is it called circling the earth if the earth is the one doing the circling? Uh, Maybe the core of the planet. I don't know. This uh, that is an interesting, it's interesting a, philosophical a, concept. A big giant merry-go-round. It so, went round and round. Once more into the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting, mm, arguably, episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure, who have the opportunity and are very excited about it to really screw things up without realizing it. Which is a common theme for most people's lives, only in our case, we are actually on the air in front of at least, uh, I would say, tens of maybe ones of people um, so we can mess up in a slightly more um, public setting, mild, yeah. mildly. So that's our first disclosure. Uh, next disclosure is this is the Personal Wealth Coach, and that is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. It's not a coincidence. They're the same people talking to you on the air here that uh, sit as principals at that firm. However, we can't offer investment advice on the air because we don't know everybody that's listening. We don't even know if anyone is listening. It's not a very private setting. Uh, so I think, I think Aaron's listening. We hope so. He is the and producer. I'm, list I'm listening. A producer who should get some high accolades. Aaron is uh, magnificent. Uh, the, uh, the fact that we can't offer investment advice on the air, so what are we doing then if we're not offering advice? Well, hopefully education. We are going to re-educate the population in, wait a minute, that's, that's not exactly what it, maybe it is. <laughs> uh, if you need a good brain cleaning, we're here to do the washing for you. Um, we're here to talk about economics, but in the middle of that, I said education, SEC, SEC, wait a minute. That's not to imply that they think that we are a the chosen ones are anointed in any way. The SEC is our regulator, and therefore, if we say something fraudulent, misleading in a context that could hurt someone financially, they're the folks to talk to. It isn't to imply that they have somehow given us some kind of extra authority or privileges or any of that. Anybody that's ever been to the DMV knows that just because you have a driver's license does not mean that they fully support all of your actions. Very similar situation. They don't? Uh, correct. That is correct. I've I've noticed them out there supporting my actions on a regular basis. Um, sir, this is the DMV. We do not have a sense of humor. Oh, okay. Uh, the SEC is similarly without humor. Mm. They might have a trace of humors, but that's an old school medical problem, not the... Uh, uh, so we're offering education, not advice. So you have a disclosure for us. Well, I'm, my disclosure is a good one, I think. It is that um, the information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. We do, however, warranty and guarantee that anything that we do not say on the air is incomplete. Thank you. <clears throat> now, uh, we have gotten through our disclosures in record time, folks. It only took us 37 minutes this time around. Uh, next time, we're going to reach for 36. Uh, sorry, that was hyperbole. Uh, and it, it, hyperbole is great unless you're talking about missiles. Right. Now, uh, what happened this week in the market? Well, it stayed at 44 Wall Street 
all wheat. Wait, which market? I thought we were talking about the flea market because that the one. New is, York. That, we're talking about the New York Stock Exchange here, okay, and it right. stayed at it stayed at forty four Wall Street all week, and uh, it did circle the earth seven times during the week, but only five times during the business week. Is it called circling the earth if the earth is the one doing the circling? Uh, Maybe the core of the planet. I don't know. This uh, that is an interesting, it's interesting philosophical a, concept. Big giant merry-go-round. It so went round and round. In and the generally prices, traveling at about traveling east at about four hundred and forty miles an hour. Tracking the prices and averages in a capitally weighted index. How did the market perform this week? Oh well, those of you who follow this uh, or read our newsletter will realize that last week there was a universal, almost universal consensus among the pundits that the market was too high and it was due for a fall in the near future. And we were clearly on the way down and it had peaked and things were going to get bad. So the market reacted to that. Um, or something the S&P else. 500, the, the S&P 500 stock index, affectionately known as SPX responded by rising 2.5% for the week, mostly on one day, Wednesday. And it closed out the week at 4,719.19, for those of you who track such things. I do. Um, I remember that 4,000 was kind of a trigger point. 4,400 was a, was a good one. Um, so it was a, the S&P 500 is up almost 23% this year, 32% from last October when we were telling people not to get out of the market. About 22% from where it was three years ago. Now, look at those numbers right there. It's up 23% this year, but only up 22% from where it was three years ago. That shows you a lot about the nature of the stock market. You don't know when it's going to rise. You don't know when it's going to fall. We don't know when it's going to rise and when it's going to fall. Uh, what we know is that you got to be there when it happens or you'll miss it. And generally speaking, I have noticed that the biggest rises in the stock market occur when most people think it's a good idea to not be invested in the stock market. That is correct. It's very counterintuitive, uh, but not so much when you understand that most people think the same way. Well, the S&P 500, which is uh, behaving in its usual weird fashion as it does in bull markets, and I hate to say this, but towards the end of bull markets particularly, um, it's only 1.5% below its all-time high in January 2022. Uh, and uh, why do I say that? That it's behaving it's in a peculiar fashion. About seven stocks are making up most of the return, the vast majority of return in the S&P 500. And we'll get to that in just a second. But the, the big surge upward was on Wednesday. And it was credited to comments made by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. Chairman Powell, we refer to him, and we take his printed words and we wave them about and chant. No, uh, no, that's Chairman Mao. The wisdom, not, Chairman Powell. You're, you're, we're not carrying around a beige book and chanting or a red book and chanting. So, well, we very carefully study the beige book. That is true. In charge of it. That is true. So. Which, by the way, for those of you who don't know it, the Beige Book is published by the Federal Reserve and basically is a detailed accounting of everything that happens on everything they know about in the economy. Uh, so in the it was his comments. Now, what this is amazing, an amazing thing. Once during his press conference, Chairman Powell used the word cut. Yes. And it was a warning that they don't see any evidence coming up that would cause them to cut. But he used cut, cut interest rates. We used cut for the first time. And it says something about the reporters who were there. And you've read the entire thing, Jake, yeah. so you yeah. probably know exactly what he said. 
But basically, I wanted to get into detail is, on this after the market. But you okay, know, I'll, I'll let you do that. Okay. But basically, the fact that he said cut is credited with causing the market to surge. Well, first, it caused the bond market to surge downward in yield. Anyway, so um, the U.S. Treasury note, which is the thing we uh, follow. Let's, let me get back to the stocks a minute. Not to miss out on the party or other followed stock market indicator, the CRSP U.S. Midcap Value Index, which does have a symbol, but it's really long and complicated. It rose 3.34% for the week to close at 2481.75. It's up 6.25% this year and 14% since October of last year. Still 4.45% below it was when 2022 began. Why do we report on that? Well, one, we find it interesting. And secondly, it is a good correlation with what the rest of the market outside of those seven stocks are doing. Uh, the market is up. Mm, yes, it's definitely up this year. Uh, it's it's up about 65 to 6.5% the broad market. If you take those seven big stocks out, those seven big tech stocks. Um Let's see, the 10-year U.S. Treasury note, that was the one that got a lot of press. Um, the um, It dropped the interest rate, the yield on it, dropped from 4.23% last week to 3.91% on Friday. And if you follow that thing, and of course we do, that's a big change. That's a decline in yield of 7.6%, and it's the lowest yield. This is what the market, the, the pundits said the market was excited. The market, people who buy and sell daily on the market were excited about. That is the lowest interest rate, the lowest yield since july dun, dun, dun. uh which didn't look to me as being particularly impressive but apparently people what happens in the stock market is when people who have money in that's quote burning a hole in their pocket end quote uh want to they really want to buy but there's some reason for them not buying like the fed's going to raise interest rates and create a recession and they just kind of are squirming around wanting to buy wanting to buy wanting to buy and then somebody buys because the Federal Reserve chairman said a word in a press conference when everybody was too busy to listen to it. And then there is this thunderous rush forward to buy. So um, so it's, it dropped to 3.91%. It's below 4% for the first time since July, which is, I guess, really good. However, the short-term rates, the one that the Federal Reserve directly controls, didn't do anything. All the less than one-year maturities are above 5% with the uh, the two-month treasury holding the and the, and the one-month treasury both yielding 5.54%, which is where the money markets are. So uh, the treasury yield curve effectively became more inverted this week, which of course resulted in the stock market shooting upward. And if you know anything about what the relation between those two traditionally is, the more inverted the, the yield curve is, the treasury yield curve, the more the market historically has declined. So since it got more inverted this week, the stock market went up, which tells you short term, the movements of the stock market are worse than random. They're counterintuitive. Anyway, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil didn't get the message either uh, that caused the 10-year Tino to, to drop and the stock market to rise. It finished out the week at 71.74, about 50 cents higher, 50 cents higher than last week and within the range of randomness that it's basically does it's and that's the lowest price we've seen since june so looked good from here john's question was in the same kind of vein as marty's what's going on in the market is this a bull market or is it a sugar high um and you kind of touched on that at the beginning of the hour talking about this is looking more like the end of a bull market like the last third of the stretch of a bull market and 
and it very well could be. What does that mean? Um, just as a side note, the part of the market that has been doing quite well in the past month and a half or so, and I hesitate to say this on the air because it might cause people to realize it, is the mid-cap value portion of the market. What is mid-cap value? Value is any company that, um, it, value and growth are two, let me stop and say, let's give the definition of value and growth. When somebody talks about a growth stock, or a value stock. It's easier to start with growth. Growth, when you look at everything that a company owns, and then you look at the stock price of that company, and you add all the stocks together, and you say, this company owns $100 million worth of stuff, and they have, that's after all their debts are taken care of and everything, their net worth is $100 million. Now, in the market, we don't use the word net worth. That would be too easy. Instead, we're going to make up two completely different words to confuse the public massively. We're going to either call it book value or total equity, because why else would we use those words? It means net worth. So the net worth of a company, if you take all the stuff they own minus all the stuff they owe and say this fictional company is worth $100 million, yet they're in the stock market and the stock market is valuing them much higher than that. People are buying their stock, even though their net worth is $100 million and they don't have any earnings right now. People are buying them because they think whatever they've just invented is about to change the world. That's a growth company because people aren't buying it based on what the company's worth, but what they project the company will be worth and what they project the company's earnings will be. They're valuing it as if they expect a huge amount of growth. Otherwise, why would you spend a billion dollars to buy a $100 million company. Well, let's ask that of Elon Musk and his $44 billion com purchase. Um, the, the idea is you would expect a great deal of growth. Conversely, if you've done all that math and you find that the net worth of this company is $100 million and you look at the stock market and the stock market's valuing them at $80 million, that's something we would call a value pick. If the stock market's valuing that at a at $100 million, we still call that a value company. It's being valued for what it owns. And over the past two years, value companies have been beat up a lot more than growth companies. We've talked about this quite a lot, the big seven, the magnificent seven of the big com growth companies that are taking over the S&P 500, that are running the world, that, that everybody's buying them. While that was going on, people were selling mid-sized banks, they were selling industrial firms, they were selling uh, power companies. And the mid-cap value sector was being bit up, beat up. And we have, for the last two years, been saying this is where we need to be investing because the price is the net worth of a company is $100 million and the market is willing to sell it to us at $70 million. That makes sense. We'll buy a little piece of that because even if they go bankrupt right now, when they sell all their assets and pay off their debts, we're still left with a profit. That's the Warren Buffett mentality. And that's the part of the market that's taking off right now. So is that a sugar high? Not until we see those really, really thoroughly underpriced companies come up to at least their own net worth. So we're not in sugar high territory in that part of the market. Are we in sugar high territory for Alphabet, for Tesla, for Apple? Maybe, maybe we've been there for a while. Um, but the whole concept of AI has kicked in, and that's what's been the big surge on the growth side. The thing about a sugar high, if you want to call it that, meaning that the market is 
run up for some weird reason. That occurs when the Federal Reserve is dumping money into the market. That's a sugar high. They've stopped Federal flogging Reserve. us with a whip is, what, yeah. <laughs> is what's just happened. That's not necessarily a sugar high. It may feel like it. We're getting some relief. Well, it's not constant pain. They're pulling money out of the market right now. So this is not a sugar high. This is, uh, this is a tech high. And it's important to remember that 1994, Alan Greenspan uttered the words irrational exuberance about the market being too high because a few stocks were up because of techs, but it was five years later before the thing started down. So the market, parts of the market can be dramatically overpriced for a long time before they start down. And the last leg of that bull market lasted five years. This one could easily last six or five or whatever years before we get into it. And we are about out of time for the first hour. And I want to come back to the tea leaves. Um, we Tea prices per U.S. dollar t- per kilogram are right at where the 10-year average is. So when we read the tea leaves, what we're seeing is $3.25 per kilogram. And you can look that up in the commodity prices. So if you're into reading tea leaves, it's going to cost you the same amount as it has on average over the last 10 years. And we're about out of time for this for this hour. We'll be back next hour with more of the Personal Wealth Coach. But if you would like to join the conversation or talk to us off the air, we actually do talk to people. We are real live people. Um, if you would like to talk to us off the air, you can go, you can call us locally at 254-947-1111. Get voicemail during the weekend, but real live people during the week. Um, you can reach that same line toll-free, should you still have a landline, at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I've noticed that that number isn't used quite as often as it used to be for some reason. Um, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can find our made-for-podcast for faces. You can uh, contact us through the contact form. You can email us directly. You can listen to our radio program going back lots of years. You can find us wherever the podcasts are. We've got podcasts out there. Um, And contact us through the contact form or jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com.